Hi, I'm Eric, also known as TrekkieV47, from the Ranger Command Power Hour and the Starfleet Escape Podcast. You're listening to another great Four-Eyed Radio product. For more shows, check out foureyedradio.com. It's morphin' time! Wallop and web snappers! My spider sense is tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your spider sense tingling? It is not, but I am getting a vision through my third eye. Ooh. To listen to this show, find us on foureyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. We're back, baby! We are back! We are back! Uh, it's been a while since we covered the 90s show, but we, we know a lot of y'all love it. So, of course, we're going to keep on covering it. Uh, we co- we, <laughs> and we, we like it, too. Oh, oh, yeah. No, we like it, too. Actually, I'm actually I, very excited to be back talking this show. <laughs> well, you know what? That's a perfect, perfect real quick segue because I think... I, I've always we're, st- we're starting the third season of the show so mm-hmm. we've covered at least one season every year that we've done the podcast I think for every ongoing show that we're covering we're going to try to kind of hit at least a season or like a few episodes of it per year once we started until we wrap up the show we'll see how, how that works but that seems like that's that works but with this one I've always felt like the third season of this show is its strongest like in my memory and mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see how that holds up because the first and second season have like surprised me in different ways, both for the good, both for good and bad. And I feel like, at least in terms of like the events that happened this season, and sort of like the consistency of it, and just like the whole arc from beginning to end, it's like the one where the structure of the season I remember the best. I don't remember the last time I watched the show, but I feel like it, 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 it's been no less than like a decade since I've done a full watch through. Probably long, maybe fifteen years, maybe longer than that. But even still, this is always stuck as like, oh, this is the season of the show that's really good and probably my favorite season that has a, 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 some of my favorite episodes. And I'm really excited because I think that this episode as the first episode of the season is, is really interesting as a season opener, especially. And I have a trash memory, so I don't remember shit. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. I'm excited to, uh, to be reminded. Uh, or rather, what I should say is I remember things about the series. I could not tell you if they happened this season or next yeah. season or the yeah. one after. I don't know. Cool. Well, I, I don't remember. Sp- I remember people who show up. I don't remember when. I won't spoil it for you because I do think that, that this, this season maybe has some things that it's like setting up for later better than what the past couple seasons did. But we'll see. We'll see if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, I think that I am, but we'll find out. But I won't spoil it for you either way. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you do remember. um, But if y'all don't remember and want to watch along with us, uh, as I am reminded, and Derek finds out if his memory is as strong as he thinks it is, you can watch along with us on Disney+. Plus. They're currently available over there. And they finally split this series into the five seasons that it was released in, which is a great, great favor to us all. 
uh, because not splitting it up was annoying. Very annoying. <laughs> yes. You can also purchase it all over the place. Um, it is not hard to find. Derek alluded to this, um, basically alluded to like how we do our show. And I recognize that it is entirely possible. I don't know how probable, but possible that somebody listening to this episode of our show has only listened to us talk about the 90s show because it is very popular. So on the off chance that you are here solely because uh, you like the 90s show and you're listening to us talk about it, one, welcome, hi, thank you for listening. Um, but two, uh, just keep in mind, it has been like a year and a half since we've talked about this show. Um, and I would recommend checking out some of the other shows that we cover, um, particularly Spectacular Spider-Man or the show that follows this one, which has a very bad reputation, but was very fun to talk about, Spider-Man Unlimited. So yeah. um, just uh, hi if you're here for that reason. Uh, we've had like 70 episodes, I think, since we talked about this show last. So lots of stuff to check out. Yeah, the last episode that we talked about of this show well, the last like full episode, like the season two finale, was our episode thirty-five, and we're on episode one hundred and ten now. Uh, so, <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's yep. a long time. <laughs> I wasn't too off with that guess. Look at me. <laughs> we also, um, I guess, on that same note, we also do revisited episodes, um, and the ninety show is one we've done a couple times. Uh, and I guess I should highlight we did do uh, an episode uh, revisited with Jim Krieg, one of the writers of the show. So if you like the ninety show and and you missed that one, check that out as well. Yeah, yeah, and uh, with uh, with AP from the first season, we did the Menace of Mysteria episode as well that we revisited. So plenty of ninety show content out there that we have put out and will continue to uh, keep making because still got uh, three seasons of this show to cover. So <laughs> Pl- yeah. plenty out there. But let's start. Let's start with the first episode of this season. Let's do shall it, shall we? So this is Spider Man the Animated Series season three episode one entitled The Sins of the Fathers Chapter One. Doctor Strange. God, I love those arc titles that this show does. <laughs> they're so I, wordy. <laughs> they're so weird. The, the every single heads up, every single episode of this season will have that same title. Yeah. They're all the sins of the father chapter something. <laughs> what I'm really excited about with this one is to sort of track like like you know the second season was Neogenic Nightmare. It always had the undercurrent of Spider-Man's mutation disease. So like even if the villain wasn't a neogenic villain, which to that season's credit, many of them were. So it mm-hmm. fit that theme. Uh, yeah. But even though it wasn't, there always was that undercurrent of Spider-Man's neogenic nightmare that he was personally going through um this one is this season all about dads is what you're wondering (laughs) yeah and i'm (laughs) gonna already go out and say that i'm pretty sure not every single episode will be but i think the significant ones will be wow so wow uh series Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? Maybe where there aren't fa- where there aren't uh, fathers, there are certainly sins in every episode. So. Sure, sure. <laughs> the synopsis for this episode per IMDb is: Now that Spider-Man is free from Man Spider's curse, his new problem is finding Mary Jane, <laughs> who has received a mysterious letter from her father. I, I mean, that happened. <laughs> yeah, last season, but that does uh, okay. happen an episode ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> The original air date for this episode was April 27th, 1996. 
the story was by John Semper, teleplay by Mark Hoffmeyer and John Semper. Since it's been a long time since we really talked about any of the writers on this show, and some of them have done things like since since we last talked about them, because most of these we talked about them literally like on our first two episodes of the show, like two years ago, uh, two plus years ago. So um, I'm going to do a little refresher on some of, some of them for, for throughout this season if they pop up, especially if they've done additional things since then, um, and especially if we didn't really talk about them that much uh, in the first season. So um, John Semper, in case you forgot. He's basically the showrunner of the series. Um, I still think it's weird that he like credits himself on so many scripts when he's the showrunner, but that's what it would be if that's a whole other thing. But uh, we talked about him back in our episode one. As a refresher, he'd kind of previously worked on a bunch of high-profile shows before this, like The Smurfs, Fra- Fraggle Rock, DuckTales, Static Shock, and as the writer on DC Comics Cyborg. Um, he hasn't really done much stuff like since we last talked about him, but he's very active online. So, uh, you know, you can you can hear from hear his thoughts on this show pretty regularly. Hoffmeyer, meanwhile, we did talk about him on our episode two. Um, he's the the dude who worked on multiple seasons of Power Rangers, but he's also continuing to work on Spider-Man projects like the Shattered Dimensions game. Um, one episode of each Spider-Man Unlimited and Spider-Man 2017. I know, I, I, I think we might have gotten to his 2017 episode, but I forget which episode that is. Um, <laughs> since our original coverage, however, he has done some more stuff. So uh, he has since been the story editor of Legend Quest Masters of Myth, which I've never heard of but it's worth noting because it was co-created by jim krieg um who again we've had on our podcast he's a writer on spider-man the animated series and a whole bunch of other stuff so that's pretty cool and most recently he worked on the marvel battle world mystery of the thanos stones miniseries which is like a series of shorts i think they're all on disney plus now um they're like a tie-in to this hybrid board game slash collectible miniature figure game that's has the exact same name uh, i don't know i started to go into a rabbit hole and then i was like actually i don't care that much but uh <laughs> those those shorts look really cute they're like uh they're, they're fun little like chibi style oh. uh animation like chibi chibi but also like cgi animation but it looks fun and cute i don't know i, I don't know anything about it other than that <laughs> but uh, as the as one of the writers in this episode, um, there is an interview that Mark Hoffmeyer did that's specifically about writing for Doctor Strange. I just pulled a quote from it because I think it's kind of fun, especially when you get like writers who are comic book fans, but maybe not like comic book fans in this particular area of comic books that they have to be writing in. Um, for example, he said in this interview, okay, here's a confession. I was a Marvel kid, but I'd never gotten into Doc Strange, which I totally sympathize with because I still have never gotten into Doctor Strange personally. That's Derek speaking. I mean, um, this and the next, <laughs> I mean, this and the next thing he says are very relatable content. I feel mm-hmm. like probably for a lot of people our age even. <laughs> yeah. He said he and Silver Surfer, I just didn't get uh, just didn't get as a kid. I still get ribbed about it by some, but there it is. So when John wanted me to work on it, I got to go to his big file cabinet where he had the entire collection of Spider-Man comics, just except for some of the rare issues. Remember, this is the world before like Marvel Unlimited Online and digital comics and stuff. So mm-hmm. I had to literally go to an entire file cabinet of physical comics. And also a whole bunch of Marvel reference books. Uh, he said, I got paid to read up on Doctor Strange. What a that kind of research is fun. Um, I came to appreciate what an interesting character he was and ended up really liking him and his odd, mysterious world. That's how I feel my journey with Doctor Strange will go when I inevitably go on it. Yeah. I know I'm going to like Doctor Strange shit. I just haven't done it yet. 
Yeah, I think I maybe that's for me. I just like I don't I, know if it's for you. <laughs> I'm so averse to like a lot of that cosmic magic stuff, and Doctor Strange is like the epitome of that. You yeah. Know? Um, and I kind of like I get I get the appeal of it, even in in this episode, like. I get the appeal of the weird stuff that's happening. And I think in small doses, I'm cool with it. I don't know that Dr. Strange will ever be a character I, c- I can connect to just because of how powerful he is and, and has to be in that world and how gigantic every story has to be because it's all about cosmic stuff and reality and, and, and rules that can just kind of be made up and changed as the story yeah. goes and stuff. I mean, you know? I don't think the stuff that I'm going to appreciate about Dr. Strange is of the same categories as the things I appreciate about Spider-Man. You know, yeah. like I don't think I'm going into it thinking that Dr. Strange is going to be a relatable character. <laughs> sure. Uh, who knows? Maybe I'll be surprised. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and Silver Surfer has always been the same way for, with me. It's, again, it's like, like Hoffmeyer said in that interview, like, they're characters that are really beloved and, and people who love those characters really love those characters. So I, I, and it's like, could I fall in love with them as much as they are? Or are we literally just wired differently as people with our tastes? I don't know. So, deep, man. Yeah. I don't know. It's a deep thought. I just don't know if you could ever get into something as philosophical as Silver Surfer. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> with deep thoughts like that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Also worth noting, uh, well, I'll only mention him in this episode for this season, but uh, we talked about it like back in our very first episode. But uh, this this is a show that like only really credits doesn't credit like an individual director per episode. It just kind of credits the supervising director as Bob Richardson. And he has worked on like a bunch of stuff. We've probably brought him up multiple times because including his like huge array of animation director credits uh, across so many shows from like the 80s and beyond. Um, he's worked on Spider-Woman, Spider-Man 1981 and Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends, which we have all covered or we have all covered. We have covered all of them. All of us here at Walloping Web Snappers have covered these shows. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the whole company. The whole company. Yeah. But anyway, I also thought it was interesting. I don't think we mentioned this before, but like his most recent credits as a storyboard artist were on King of the Hill in 2010. That's fun. Um, Yeah, yeah. He hasn't worked since then from what I can tell. But, you know, uh, if he retired, which I assumed he did, he had a ton of stuff under his belt. Good for him. Relax, man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, since this is a Doctor Strange episode, we're introduced to a lot of Doctor Strange characters. So obviously we're introduced to Doctor Strange here. Uh, he is voiced by John Vernon, who voiced Tony Stark uh, and obviously Iron Man in the Marvel superheroes, which we reference a whole lot during our coverage of Spider-Man 1967. In the same vein, he voiced Doctor Doom in the 90s Fantastic Four series and General Ross in the 90s Incredible Hulk series. He also was the Dean in Animal House and its TV spinoff Delta House which I didn't know existed. Uh, And he provided the voice of Big Brother in the very first film adaptation of 1984 in 1956. Uh, And that was his first role, actually. Wow. Yeah. And uh, he also voiced Rupert Thorne in Batman the Animated Series, among many, many other voice credits. Cool, cool. Naturally, we're also introduced to Baron Mordo, who is voiced by Tony Jay. Uh, this first one's very obvious. Uh, he voiced Frollo in Disney's The Hunchback of Notre Dame, which I thought was very clear just listening <laughs> uh-huh. to the way he plays Mordo. <laughs> yep. uh, and he was the narrator for Disney's Treasure Planet. Incredible voice. Frollo might be the most disgusting character in Disney, but he is voiced by an incredible actor and... Uh, this guy's voice is very enjoyable to listen to. <laughs> fire, hellfire. Yep. 
oh man, some of the greatest music, uh, uh-huh. I'll say, you know, yeah. it I don't think sort of a weird renaissance movie, but the the music is right there. I don't think that's a hot take. I think that that's I think it shouldn't be. (laughs) Yeah, it's like regardless of your feelings of that movie, the the music in it slaps. Incredible. Yes. Yes. Uh, He also provided the voice of Megabyte in Reboot, Dr. Animus in Buzz Lightyear of Star Command, Wraith in Mighty Ducks, the animated series, Overlord in The Savage Dragon, which was based on the Image comic series of the same name, Mm -hmm. Dragon, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Galactus in 90s Fantastic Four, Shere Khan in Tailspin, Anubis in Gargoyles, and so much more. He also portrayed a character named Nigel St. John in Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. (laughs) Hmm. Uh, and was the voice, not the face, of the supreme being in Time Bandits. Nice. I enjoy yeah. this guy's credits. He's got yeah, some good ones. Some real good ones, and he should, because his voice is great. Fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. Also, naturally, we get some Dormammu action here. Dormammu is voiced by Ed Gilbert, who voiced a number of characters in the 80s Transformers series, primarily Superion, Thrust, and Blitzwing. He was General Hawk in both the 80s and 90s. G.I. Joe cartoons, Hacker in Centurions, a character named 3030 in a series called Brave Star, which does look very wild and fun, but is almost certainly problematic as hell. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Yeah, I swear to God, we've brought up that show on our podcast before, but I don't remember. I wouldn't be surprised, but I would be equally unsurprised to have forgotten. Yeah, I'm pretty (laughs) sure it's come up before, but I don't remember why or, or, or anything. I don't know, but I think it's going to have to be a guilty guilty indulgence for me to check it out because I know it's got to be horrific, but also <laughs> I kind of need to know, you know. <laughs> he uh he was the uh he replaced the original voice actor for Baloo uh in the series Tailspin. Oh. Uh, so he was the voice of Baloo in Tailspin, but wasn't the voice of the original voice of Baloo. Uh, I worded that weirdly, but he is gotcha. the voice of Baloo in Tailspin. He was the Mandarin in the 90s Iron Man series, uh, Bodhi in Gargoyles, and many, many more. He also, this is just a fun one for us and our friends, uh, he also provided the voice of Emperor Gorgonus in uh, Tattooed Teenage Alien Fighters, uh, that's for any fans of weird American Toku series. Uh, and he portrayed <laughs> yep. the Hardy Boys dad in the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew mysteries. Fun fact about this guy. In addition to acting, he was apparently a studier of beetles and even discovered a new species. <laughs> wow. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I, I feel like we don't necessarily come across uh, facts quite like that. So it's always fun no. to, to find them. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> he discovered a beetle. Cool. That's so cool. And then this surprised me, not because I can't hear it, but because I wasn't expecting to hear it. And then once I knew it, I was like, oh, duh. Yeah. Uh, Wong is in this episode, and he's voiced by George Takei. And the reason I say that is because, like, Wong isn't massively important to this episode uh, and doesn't say that much. So I just wasn't expecting them to have somebody of the of this caliber. But I'm happy they do because we've run into so much inappropriate cultural uh, casting <laughs> yeah yeah that it's nice to to have uh some semblance of appropriate casting here so wong is voiced by george takei um i'm hoping folks know who he is but i don't know who's listening so i'll tell you anyway uh he portrayed hikaru sulu in star trek the original series and all of its associated films as well as the animated series and a number of star trek video games uh george takei is a huge uh human rights activist with a particular focus on lgbtq rights and immigrants rights 
He starred in Allegiance, which was a Broadway production inspired by his own real-life experience with Japanese-American internment as a result of World War II. And he's the co-author of They Called Us Enemy, which is an autobiographical graphic novel account of that same experience. Um, If you don't know him from any of that, you've almost certainly seen him retweeted on Twitter (laughs) plenty uh, or portray himself on countless TV series, which is why I think it would be surprising for people not to at least recognize the name because he's constantly appearing as himself on stuff. Yeah. Um, And uh, he also voiced characters like Ricardio from Adventure Time, uh, portrayed Kaito Nakamura in Heroes, uh, Sensei in Kim Possible, which we've talked about. Uh, the High Mystic in Jackie Chan Adventures, which we've also talked about, and Mr. Fix in Batman Beyond, and plenty of others. Nice, nice. Yeah, it is funny because it's like, I almost hesitate to say this, but like it's almost kind of a thankless role in this episode because he has so little to do. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, it's it's cool that they got him to do it. I think this is his only appearance in this show as this character too, which is kind of a bummer. Um, yeah. I think. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty no, sure No, I think you're right. Um, yeah. I think you're right. That said, can I throw someone else in, too, since you mentioned George 2K anyway? Um, this is also the first appearance of Anna Watson, who's not really important to this episode very much. She's in literally one scene. But she's voiced by Majel Barrett, who is Gene Rod- was Gene Roddenberry's wife um, and ah, also, like, all over Star Trek as that's well. That's fun. Like, the first lady of Star Trek. She's, like, looks, uh, looks on a Troy. She was the computer voice, I think, like, for every season up until 2009. She appeared in, like, in, in multiple other shows as, as different characters as well. But it's cool that they got two Star Trek people in this episode, not that yeah. they interact or anything. And both in, like, pretty minor roles. <laughs> but, uh, but it's still cool. I, I dig that. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Throw that kind of stuff in. Yeah. (laughs) Well, let's get into what this episode is. The beginning of this uh, season-long arc of the show. (laughs) So this episode picks up right where the end of last season left off. Uh, As Spider-Man is searching the city for Mary Jane, who has gone missing, he recalls his interaction with Anna Watson, letting her know of Mary Jane's disappearance. And Harry's also there. Anna and Harry are... Very upset that no one aside from Peter was in the loop that Mary Jane was apparently going to meet her estranged father, uh, which I think is understandable. Like, I get both sides. I understand why she didn't want everybody knowing, but also... I get why they would be upset about that. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it would be a big deal. And I, I legitimately forgot that she and Harry were still dating at this point. So I I'm like glad. <laughs> I'm glad that that was thrown in for exposition's sake. Yeah. And then he disappears <laughs> after the scene yeah. anyway. So they, well, they, they don't do they don't do a traditional recap for this, which I was fully expecting. Yeah. Instead, they do a really good job of incorporating what would be a recap into the episode. Yeah. So like this interaction, Spider Man sort of like doing his inner monologuing and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I think they do a pretty good job. An okayish job. No, I think that, I think it's as good as as good as you can do cuz cuz it's it's weird cuz there wouldn't need to be much in the recap anyway. It really would only need to be like from the last scene of the episode and then referencing that Peter was a man spider, which isn't even that important. I feel like we've seen them it. recap far less important events. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just, I'm just, yeah. But which is also why I'm surprised that they didn't, but maybe they were like actually conscious of time in this case. And it went away. When again, they could just write it into the exposition like they did. And it was fine. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I will say the, uh, the, the series we covered right before this was 1967, which we didn't do beat by beat notes for, and which goes at a much slower pace than this show. So boy, oh boy, was it a ride getting back into uh, 
summarizing or going through plot points of these episodes because yeah. they pack in a lot. <laughs> uh, naturally, Aunt May worries for Anna's blood pressure. <laughs> oh, very uh, you know important what? detail. I, th- I think that that is very funny to see Aunt May telling another old lady to calm mm-hmm. down for the sake of their health. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love that. <laughs> And it makes perfect sense because it's exactly the type of thing that she would freak out about. So naturally, mm-hmm. she has the same concern for everyone else. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think that's the person in the room we need to be worried about, May. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Keeping in line with that sort of exposition written to the episode, Spider-Man reminds us that last season he was plagued with the man-spider disease, but that he's cured of it now. However, he wonders, you know, what's the point of being cured of this horrific disease uh, if I've lost the love of my life? Which... Okay, Peter, I mean, I, I would still want to be cured, I guess, but that's just me. Yeah, she's also <laughs> still in a relationship with your best friend right now, so like... <laughs> <laughs> that too. <laughs> couple things, couple things yeah. there, buddy. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, he's a drama queen, you know. <laughs> well, he when he uh, notices a number of people in all black seemingly floating through the air... <laughs> um, towards the sanctum uh, sanctorum uh, he investigates of course why would you investigate a bunch of flying people uh-huh inside the sanctum wong is attacked by the figures in all black and spider-man intervenes and during their fight spidey clocks that the all black clad folks have superpowers and also unmasks one of them to discover mary jane watson what superpowers i think should be noted being that he notes that uh mary jane can hug him like a bear uh and also they all have laser beam eyes uh-huh <laughs> fucking eye lasers can i cool. i have a okay okay so we know that that mary jane is revealed to be one of these people which means mary jane currently has superpowers what like Spoiler alert, Mary Jane does not stay in this state of being, which means she does not continue to have the ability to shoot lasers out of her eyes. It's not a permanent transformation. But what, so what, what, how? I just, yeah, I mean, they don't explain it all, but I think it's like. I mean, it's all magic, but what? Yeah, I think when they're in, when they're in the trance, the only time they have superpowers is when they're in the trance. Because like Spider-Man, spoiler, later on. Is, is also under the spell and, like, flies uh, when under the spell, but then cannot fly after the fact. So I think that it's, like, when the spell or trance yeah. or whatever it is yeah. is activated, like, they're possessed or in, in, implanted with these powers and stuff. And then it just disappears out of their system the second that the spell's broken. I guess I'm just – it's not that so much as, like, I'm upset by the I, – I, again, it's magic, I guess, so this doesn't really apply. But, like, I, I – it. I just am, like, upset with whatever the implications are of the fact that they can sometimes shoot lasers out of their eyes. It's a weird – well, for one, it's always kind of a weird, like, violation of someone when when their bodies are changed, yeah. you know, like, when, without knowing, without consent. Um, so I think, yeah, and it's just the – yeah, the, the weird implication. Also, I anytime you wake the, up and realize that you've been doing things that, like, you can't do, I feel like is horrifying. Yeah, that's all going to be horrifying no matter what. And the episode doesn't play it as a good thing either. No. Like, I mean, they don't play the horror of it either, but it's never like it presents it as a bad thing. So that's fine. Um, I think the eye laser thing, I think the way to feel better about it is just even though it's like looks like it's just like lasers, like a robot would shoot lasers. I think it's better to just not think of it as actual lasers and just think of it as just 
magical energy. It's all magic. I mean, the yeah. easiest way to accept it is it's all magic, and so none of it has to follow any rules. It's not biological. Nothing's yeah. happening to their bodies. But it is still weird to think about, like, heat rays shooting out of their heads, you know? But magical puppets is fucking creepy, and I hate it. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. It's magic. Nobody feels any anything except yeah. for the people getting hit with the mat. Okay, that doesn't really work. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, regardless, Mary Jane blasts Spider-Man with the eye lasers that aren't really lasers because they're magic, uh, knocking him into a display which contains the Wand of Watoom. Uh, she instructs the other figures in black to grab it and go. Uh, they all blast Spidey with their eye lasers, but before their attack becomes fatal, thankfully, Doctor Strange arrives and he overpowers them. Yeah. What's up, Doctor Strange? Yeah. Wearing an outfit uh, that cl- certainly would have been the first outfit I ever saw Doctor Strange in, uh, but is it's not the current iconic one. <laughs> the sort <laughs> of like um... orange and blue and black and white one. Yeah, yeah. It's also like, I mean, Doctor Strange's outfits are often really like kind of complicated looking, mm-hmm. which is sometimes the appeal. This one, I think it doesn't do it many favors with how it looks. I'm not a fan of the, de- I mean, it's fine. Like the design looks like Doctor Strange. Yeah, I think it's fine. Um, It's just fine, but it's just fine. It's not very, it's not particularly cool looking, I think. Um, but I think if they were to do his currently iconic one, like that also wouldn't look cool looking. So, I mean, you might as well true. go ornate with it. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Even if it is or, ugly ornate. Ornate and over the top is just the vibe of Doctor Strange, and I'm I'm happy to accept that. <laughs> even <laughs> even when I'm like orange though. <laughs> Not a color I typically associate with him, but I know in my head that that is a color associated yeah. with him. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's just a more it's a more classical take on him, but you know, yeah. Again, it's not my kind of a uh, superhero most of the time. So that's one of the things that uh, the, the aesthetic just isn't usually my vibe a lot of the time either. But it's fine. It's fine. It's all him. <laughs> one thing that I like about the scene, I think the vocal performance of uh, Mary Jane when she's like fully possessed and evil is really fun. She doesn't get a ton of lines, but um, I forget what she's saying. But whenever she's saying like, get him or whatever, like. It's real. It's good. It's because that uh, the voice actress, uh, what's her name? Sarah Ballantine doesn't really often get a lot of opportunity to emote other than just like screaming and being scared and then being horny. Like those are married. That's just all of Mary Jane's traits in this show sometimes. Um, so it's cool that she gets to do something a little different and she does have good range. Absolutely. Well, when Mary Jane and the the the, the uh, flying anonymous uh, laser eye shooting company flee, uh, Doctor Strange warns Spider Man against pursuing them, but he disregards the warning Spider Man does because Mary Jane's with them, so he's compelled to follow Mary Jane. He isn't able to keep up with them though because they're flying so fast. Uh, but he does manage to land a spider tracer on one of them, which leads him to a place called the Center for Reunification. Hmm. He attempts to get in, but he's prevented from doing so. And Doctor Strange shows up and lets him know that the mysterious shield keeping him from going in are the crimson bands of Satoric. <laughs> I, I don't remember how he said that, Sidorak, uh, but the crimson band Sidorak. <laughs> that's it, Sidorak. Uh, so Spider-Man ultimately leaves to consider a new strategy, um, in saving Mary Jane. Has anything ever sounded more like a cult than the center for reunification? I mean, (laughs) it doesn't seem like it's not common knowledge that it is one. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) 
<laughs> so yeah <laughs> or no i guess <laughs> no uh, well inside said center for reunification mary jane and a number of folks in white robes presumed to be the same as those accompanying her in black earlier that night are uh, released from a trance by baron mordo mary jane thanks mordo for her latest quote-unquote visit and says that for the first time in a long time, she's truly happy. Mordo dismisses them and promises another visit very soon. Hmm, a visit. <laughs> a visit to Sanctum Sanctorum to wreak some havoc, of course. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> well, after the group leaves Mordo, Dormammu appears to him and chastises Mordo for failing to retrieve the wand of Watum, which he says, without, he is doomed. Aw. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Dormammu. Doom Mamu. <laughs> Ooh, got, got him. Got him. <laughs> uh, back at the Sanctum Sanct- Sanctorum, Doctor Strange shares a suspicion that Mordo is behind the attack and gives us background information by giving Wong background information. You love to see it. Just perfect exposition flashback happening. Beautiful. Here. Um, <laughs> it's good though because I'm pretty sure this was. This would have been my first uh, introduction to Doctor Strange. I don't know anything about him. And they do give you a crash course, <laughs> crash <Hey. laughs> uh, course on uh, on his backstory. And it's, you know, it's the one that anybody who knows even like cursory knowledge of Doctor Strange is probably familiar with. Um, he used to be a prominent surgeon. He got into a car accident, damaged his hands so he couldn't be a surgeon anymore. Went seeking out the Ancient One in what he calls the far corners of Asia, uh, but then rejects the Ancient One because the Ancient One's like, I'm not going to just heal your hands. I'm going to teach you magic. <laughs> um, Honestly, like, fair. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like, that's not what I came here for, dude. That's like kind of the opposite. <laughs> of what I came here for. Yeah. But, you know, in, in this case, Strange encounters Mordo um, and, and sees that he's actually attempting to overthrow the Ancient One and is like a good person deep down. So he attempts to intervene to stop what I assume is like a hit attempt, essentially. Seems like it. Yeah. And, you know, he, he he does intervene and it shows the Ancient One the goodness in his soul. Um, it was actually a test all along. And that is how Strange agreed to become the Ancient One's pupil in order to stop Mordo, birthing their years-long rivalry. Just one little note about this that I think is kind of fun. Like... I know that, like, Strange and, like, kind of Mordo at this point are both dudes, but I think it's really funny that, like, the two people who would become, like, warring wizards and Mordo, who at this point in the flashback is, like, a magic user, are both just in, like, sweatshirts. <laughs> like, <laughs> Doctor Strange is in a pink sweatshirt that looks like the exact same sweatshirt that old Peter was wearing in, in the in the last episode. Mm. And, and Mordo is just in a green sweatshirt. And it's just funny to see, like, these magic users just, like chilling like they're just like in college like it's just really funny <laughs> yeah i i say uh normalize doing magic in your sweats <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you got magic who do you got to impress right exactly exactly <laughs> you know you decked out in that ornate stuff that yeah. probably takes a half an hour to put on yeah like, ah, just throw on your sweatshirt and do your <laughs> magic stuff you're still powerful <laughs> Well, as Strange fills in Wong, Peter consults Robbie Robertson for research on the Center for Reunification. And like I mentioned, doesn't seem to be much of a secret or hard information to find. Uh, Robbie describes the place as some kind of secret cult, uh, or not so secret cult, maybe, that promises to reunite followers with deceased loved ones. Yeah. It it is funny to think, like, I, I, I the only way that I think this episode works fully for me 
is if I if is if I sort of believe that once you are fully under Mordo's spell, like you don't see like you maybe see everything like the places that you're in, even when you're outside of the trance, like with rose tinted glasses, because I just cannot believe that, like, over the span of, like, a day or two, Mary Jane's, like, putting on cult robes and hanging out, like, in this underground, like, cave with, like, stone pillars and shit, being guided by the dude who's clearly, like, in a in creepy wizard outfits. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like that can't be what she sees. Like, I know that, like, when you're in a cult, you're obviously indoctrinated, but, like, the rapid pace that it's happening and they're supposedly not under a spell, they have to still be under Whoa. some kind of spell when they're in there. No, I think they definitely are. And I think the, the episode does kind of indicate that. It's it's sort of like a hypnosis where yeah, yeah. you you might not necessarily be constantly directed by the person who hypnotized you, but they can call upon you still because you are hypnotized. And so yeah. I think I think there's probably some more uh like normal things they're doing, but they're still ultimately hypnotized. So like it, it seems like they're not necessarily fully conscious when they're carrying out these like attacks, but they can't, they also can't have full control over themselves while they're in the center for reunification. Yeah. I think that makes the most sense. And it, it kind of explains Mary Jane's like super hostile reaction to Peter. Uh, like in the, I think it's the next, the scene, like right after that, right after this actually. So yeah. 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 I think that makes a lot of sense. Cause they have to be snapped out of it mm-hmm. ultimately. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, later that evening, I guess, yeah, but I guess. I, it's unclear. I think it would make more sense if it weren't one evening, but we're gonna. I think it's probably just one evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter returns to the Center for Reunification, uh, but as himself, and he's pretending to be a new recruit. Classic, you know, attack mm-hmm. the cult from the inside. Uh, when he finds Mary Jane and shares his intent to take her home, like you said, Mary Jane refuses um, filling Peter in on all of her visits with her father, which clarifies a little bit more uh, to us about what's actually going on. Peter asks her about the attack on the Sanctum Sanctorum, and she reveals that she doesn't remember that happening at all. She has no idea what he's talking about, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, both upsetting and confusing for both of them. Uh, but he's in her room, so she, being upset and confused, calls security uh, and says, Get out of here. I don't want to go home. I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> I like the sequence that happens next because it's a whole bit. It, it I, I think like the writing is good because Peter could obviously very easily fight off like security, but he doesn't want to show off his spider powers. Mm-hmm. You even hear him say, I can't risk using my spider powers in front of people. However, he, he thinks that right after he like tossed it, tossed a guy like across the room, like in front of Mary Jane, who was coming and, at him. <laughs> and on his way to search for Mary Jane, he like wall crawls maybe a couple feet up the wall and is like, great, they can't see me now. Okay, but that's a normal Spider-Man thing. He's always on top of the ceiling. I know, ceiling but he's still no using his spider powers like <laughs> in the facility around yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, it is a normal spider thing, but to specifically call out that you shouldn't be using your powers. <laughs> yeah. When, you know what, actually an easier way around it would, would be to say that security had the super strength that Mary Jane had the night before because it's all magic anyway. So like, yeah. I wouldn't question it. <laughs> But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know where he's at in his reunification process. That's true. That's that's very true. Yeah. 
Yeah, like I said, Peter is removed from Mary Jane's room, and he's taken to Baron Mordo, uh, who hypnotizes him. Um, he hypnotizes him and, and actually manipulates Peter's uh, manipulates Peter through his memory of his dead parents. So basically, has him like see hallucinations of his dead parents. They're there. Uh, like he's always he's missed them. He never knew. Like he thought that you were gone, but you're not. You're here now with me. Um, and it's a really interesting choice, I think, to use his parents and Agreed. not Uncle Ben. I thought that was interesting too. I don't think it's necessarily good or bad or yet indicative of anything, but maybe I'll have different thoughts later based on maybe where this could go as a whole arc. But I did think it was very interesting. There was no mention of uncle Ben. Yeah. I think that maybe because what Peter says when they come in is like, is I thought you were dead or something like along those lines, or I thought you were gone. Um, and maybe it's more playing with the idea that Peter wasn't like around when his parents died. Like his parents died in a plane crash, right? Mm. So it's not like he was with them. Uncle Ben, I don't think he, I don't think he explicitly witnessed Uncle Ben dying in this, uh, in this show. But like, it was an event that he lived through, like in close proximity of. What? And maybe there's a difference with his parents, like with the sort of weird question of him being a little farther away that it's almost easier for him to be tricked into believing that they were alive and back in his life than if, than it would be uncle Ben maybe. Okay. Maybe, maybe, but I think that would rely on there being ambiguity over whether or not they are dead or alive. Right. So like, I think it seems like if, if we build on that, that like Mary Jane being reunited with her father who left her when she was very little, who she may have heard has, died or disappeared or is gone or whatever and then peter's parents who he lost at a very young age as well like if the idea is that it needs to be somebody that you could could believe you could be reunited with where like uncle benny maybe doesn't believe that's the case yeah like do are these people do they believe that they're communicating with like effectively the ghosts or spirits of these people or do they believe that they're real because if they believe that they're real that's like a weird fucked up like this person's alive and you didn't realize it and i'll let you see them every once in a while if you just like hang out here yeah it's unclear which i which i it's unclear (laughs) but i like the lack of clarity in it because it just makes it more creepy either way because you're not really sure what because it makes it almost like a little more dreamlike because you're not thinking straight when you're in that situation it's like regardless of whether you think that they're alive and real or if you're in the afterlife or communing with the dead the, i think the point is that your brain is tricked into like this moment of happiness of being reunited with that person in one way or another. And it doesn't really like, it is like a dream logic thing where it doesn't really make any logical sense when you think about it. But that's, I guess, part of the hypnosis that it's just like, but there's also enough of reality of it that these people are effectively like being forced into an addiction of Mordo's ability to connect them with these people. Yeah. Like it has to be real enough to some degree that they wouldn't leave or question you know, yeah, like they're so reliant on him in order to do it. Yeah, this is going to be this is such a weird like comparison, but I have a point at the end of it. 
<laughs> there's there's a Riverdale storyline that is exactly this. It is about a cult that uses like hypnosis and like drugs to convince its cult members that they are like communing with like dead family members. And it's always ambiguous as to if they really truly believe that the person's alive or not, because it doesn't make any logical sense that they'd only be allowed to like see them every like for like a certain amount of time per day like and it also is played up in like an addiction in that show as well and it's just like part of like how they're indoctrinated into the cult like it doesn't make any logical sense but they're so happy to be reunited even uh, briefly with the person that they lost um that like they just don't think about it beyond beyond it how it doesn't really make sense and are they actually dead or alive or not and I only bring that up that like the storylines are so similar that that's like that makes me think Riverdale is like often very intentionally derivative of everything. And now I'm sort of like, is this based on like a like an older story that exists about a cult, like a, either a real cult that existed that did something similar to this? Or is there like some kind of comic book source material that this is based on, I wonder? Because um, it would just be too much of a coincidence for those two storylines to be like exactly the same in the way that they are from like two very different types of properties. Yeah. You know, like I wonder yeah. if this is an arc, like an archetype of a cult storyline that I'm just like we're just not personally familiar with. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it does seem like a thing that could that could be I mean, it it could be based on some sort of like mythology, to be honest, you know, like it could be. I think it could be any sort of mm. number of things. But does Mary Jane think her dad is dead? No, I don't think that she does is the thing that complicates it. Because, yeah, Peter and Mary Jane are different scenarios because Peter did yeah. think that his parents are dead. Mary Jane is just missing her father. So in Peter's case, I could buy it either way. In Peter's case, it's like whether he believes that they have been brought back to life or he can just commune with the dead, I could see the appeal. But if Mary Jane never thought her father was dead, then it, it seems like it relies entirely on the hypnosis. In which case, yeah. why do any of this? Just hypnotize people. Well, I guess maybe you need this trigger to hypnotize people as strongly yeah. as he does. Like that, I think that's just a key part of the spell um, because the way that, that – that It definitely gets them in there. Yeah. That's for sure. And the way – you know, the, the Mary Jane is only able to sort of be broken away from it when she realizes that it's not the reality of it. And then she basically is – like a okay and isn't affected by it anymore so like i i think that yeah i think that that's like the key that makes the the spell work and it just sort of operates on dream logic that doesn't really make any sense it's just messing with your head and making yeah. you feel a sense of happiness that you that you're missing um, and there's nothing to say that that mordo didn't say your your dad's dead but i can like it, there's nothing to say he didn't do that right like yeah. i know yeah. you've been looking for him i hate to tell you that he's dead but I could reconnect you with him. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. Yeah. Like it's fine. <laughs> like it doesn't matter ultimately. Like you we get the, sure. you get the gist of it. But it is it's sort of fun to think about because that's the thing that makes the magic stuff sort of both frustrating and fun at the same time is because the rules don't really matter. It can just be up to whatever the writer wants, you know, because yeah. it's magic. But trying to think of like what the implications are in the world that it exists in with like real people. Uh not real people, but like non-magic users and stuff in this universe like how how that affects their reality i think is really interesting to think about yeah i have a question yeah do you think I, I think it could go either way but i'm just curious to know what you think do you think that because of what mordo is able to do to peter pull up these memories of his parents do you think mordo pretty much knows right off the bat that peter is spider-man 
I don't know about that either. I guess, I mean, I guess he would have to, right? And then the clues are all going to be there later because Spider-Man is with the group later. And I'm sure Mordo has some magical observation ability, you know, to see where his, where his group of, 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 of ninja people are later on. And he would, so he would know that Spider-Man's with them. And so if he somehow didn't connect the dots by literally reading Peter's mind, he, I'm sure he would after that, but the show doesn't mention that at all. Yeah. So. I feel I like, I mean, my head canon, because this show doesn't address it, is that he absolutely knows Peter is Spider-Man. Like, he becomes like a critical piece, I feel like. Because then later he also specifically attacks Doctor Strange, and there's no reason for Spider-Man, even under a hypnot- under hypnotism, to attack Doctor Strange when the other people don't. Yeah. So who would you use to attack Doctor Strange other than the superhero you act like you've you've had walk right into your it's yeah it's a little bit weird and well but but the fact that the episode doesn't call it out is like i think yeah suggests that they just didn't really think about that and i think that the way that i would explain that away him not knowing it's he's peter parker is that maybe he's not the way maybe the way the spell works is that it's even though it sounds like it's even though it's like presented as him saying the words of his parents and stuff it's not actually him doing it like he's just casting the spell he's not literally reading peter's mind that's true that could all be peter doing that yeah it's just it's just the spell is just generating whatever peter's mind wants to generate and he's not peering into it or whatever that's yeah. just we're just seeing what peter is seeing right now that's um, true okay that is interesting i do like the idea that mordo would know that he's uh spider-man but i also really like the mechanics of it better if Mordo doesn't actually know what Peter is seeing or feeling or thinking. Yeah. And that all of these cult members probably eventually tell Mordo that, which makes it easier to manipulate them. Yeah. But that's not necessarily something he pulls out of your memory. Right. You sort of see it and then you might give that to him. Yeah. Like Mary Jane would see her father in her mind. And then after she's done, she's like, my father. And so and he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah yep. All I right. hope you see your We're father. roll with that. And it makes sense because the only time we ever see a character, like, turn into, like, a person, like, character turn into whatever person yeah. that they're seeing is Dormammu turning into Mary Jane's father, not Mordo. And I right. could believe Dormammu could do that because he's, like, all-powerful or whatever in his dimension. Uh, mm-hmm. But we never see Mordo do it, so there's never an implication that he ever knows the reality of what's happening in their heads. Yeah. Interesting. This is interesting. This stuff is interesting. It's more interesting than I would have thought it would be. Yeah, but it is. Yeah, well, there's no time for the the show to really dwell on it because it has to get get moving so constantly. Because <laughs> the show so, like, sprints only. <laughs> the only show sprints. has one speed. <laughs> uh huh. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, so he does successfully Mordo. That is does successfully like manipulate Peter, um, and he does go through this hypnosis thing. But he wakes up from it in his room, and he thinks like, "Oh, that's weird. I don't really know what happened, but like, I'm good, I guess." But he he isn't <laughs> because he tries to escape. And just as he's doing that, Mordo like calls upon his followers to carry out another attack. This is what I was talking about. Where like they are seemingly fine, but he clearly can just like re re up that, you know, extra hypnosis <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Right. Um, and so Spider-Man complies along with everybody else. Everybody flies out to do another hit on Sanctum Sanctorum uh, and Spidey goes along with him. Yeah. Also funny, he was he just rips off his robes and his Spider-Man suits right there. Like he wasn't wearing <laughs> robes over clothes over Spider-Man suit, which yeah. seems like not the best move. But 
Uh, yeah yeah i mean honestly it's i know that there are bigger things at play but i it does not surprise me that the black suit had the powers that it did because what a what a nice thing to never have to worry about yeah yeah (laughs) when he changes Uh (laughs) or where he keeps his clothes um yeah so spider-man's flying away with the 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 black clad cult people except uh, they didn't even change into black this time oh yeah Did no, you notice that right. they just like straight up go out in the what was the point of the black outfits if it i don't know maybe uh, maybe that, mordo's just like in a hurry that's so funny that <laughs> Dormammu even, is pissed at him yeah that didn't even click with me you're right that could, yeah okay well whatever <laughs> <laughs> so now they're just flying around in bright white robes <laughs> sure Cool. If you didn't already guess they were part of the cult that wears the bright white robes, well, now you know for sure. I guess it's not a secret anymore. Uh, whatever. Do those robes have the Center for Reunification logo on them, or am I going crazy? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, amazing friends. We just wanted to take a quick moment to thank our spectacular and up patrons, Bo, Eric, Steve, Carl, Katie, Mike, and Lillian. If you would like to support our show too, our way of saying thanks is by giving you lots of cool Spidey goodies. You'll have early access to all our episodes, including our AMAs, where we answer your burning questions about anything and everything. And we mean everything. If you join us at our $5 spectacular level, you get to hear us let loose and talk about wackier stuff in our After Dark commentaries or our movie commentaries, where we watch every single Spidey-related theatrical film, from the Raimi films to Amazing Spider-Man to Spider-Verse, Venom, Avengers Endgame, and more. And at our amazing tier, we'll invite you to be a guest on our show. That's right, you. You all make our show better, whether it's by sending us Word Snappers words, making us fan art, joining our Discord community, or just listening to us every week. This is our way of saying thank you for supporting this show and inspiring us to dip into media even we didn't realize was on our radar. Whatever tier you opt into, thank you so much. Whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by, we appreciate you. From your friendly neighborhood podcasters, thank you. Well, uh, yeah, so they attack the Sanctum Sanctorum again. The next This, ta- this attack is, like, really, really quick. Uh, Mordo's followers, like, they don't even, like we said, they don't even waste time getting getting their, um, getting suited up for it. They just sh- get in, grab the Wand of Batoon, and get the fuck out. However, however, the one wrinkle in this, which we sort of alluded to, is that Spider-Man, since he's in his hypnosis, uh, he is, like, the one that, the one cult member that I guess is formidable enough to attack Doctor Strange. And or is the one instructed to do- attack Doctor Strange. I don't know. It's not clear. Either way... He's there. He attacks Doctor Strange under that hypnosis. Um, it's possible Mordo doesn't know who Spider-Man is, but realized, oh, shoot, somebody who's here is Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. When is, did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> and that, then just like rolled with it. I would love to see that scene. It's just like, oh, 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 yes, I uh, knew all along. <laughs> that was always my plan. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> but yeah so strange uh, is fighting spider-man he calls upon the all-seeing eye of agamotto to learn that spidey is under mordo's spell so he he knows he knows it's up and uh dispels that spell so spidey's back to normal again and also could but we don't know know that spider-man is peter parker depending on what he sees depending on how he finds out and if he's just like detecting mordo's magic he might not know, but yeah, it looks it like is he's an just, all-seeing eye. 
it looks like he's just seeing his aura more than he's like looking deep <laughs> into Spider-Man's entire life or anything. So. <laughs> but also like if Dr. Strange knew he was Peter Parker, that's not a big deal. Like that I would just, be fine. <laughs> ever since we read that miniseries where Dr. Strange knows that Spider-Man is like not conscious and is being possessed by another being and doesn't care. I've been obsessed with the idea that these like magic beings just know everyone's secret identity and don't care because to them it like doesn't matter. They're like, that's cute for you, but I got shit to do. (laughs) That's so funny. That's so (laughs) funny. I just love that idea. Yeah. So if you're wondering why I want everyone in this episode to know who Peter Parker and Spider-Man are, that's why. (laughs) That explains it. That is our spider bite on Spider-Man, symbiote Spider-Man alien reality on our Patreon, by the way. So available to any patron at any level yep 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 it's fun and weird weird comic it is dr strange and spider-man like this episode and like the next spider-man movie will be weirdly it's all dr strange and spider-man in the house right now apparently that's all it is anymore (laughs) never want to peg those two being the two characters that are just like impeccably interlinked in every way but here we are in 2021 such a likely natural couple (laughs) (laughs) i do think the first or second spider-man annual might have featured Doctor Strange. It's either this. It is a annual. I don't know if it's that first one or not. But there is a annual. It's that, like early. I think this epi- there is an annual that this episode is pulling from because I think like the line at the end of Spider-Man like is like "May your amulet never tickle" or whatever is pulled directly <laughs> from a comic, and I know it's from an annual, but I don't remember if it's the annual that you're thinking of or if it's a later one. But it is. Yeah, there are is an annual or many annuals that feature Spider-Man and Doctor Strange together. So it's not like it's never happened. It's just funny that it's happening so frequently now. Yeah. In our in our twenty twenty one is not what I would have expected yeah yeah especially in our like little sphere here it just keeps popping up <laughs> i don't think we because we didn't intend for this to line up the way that it did we no. always planned to do the third season of this show at some point this year before it was over and and then it just happened that this is the first episode of the season so <laughs> well the everybody except spider-man pretty much returns to the center and the center for reunification and Mary Jane delivers the wand to Mordo and he rewards her with another visit with her father. It's so funny to me. I mean, this is purely just because it's a TV show and we know one of the characters, but it's so funny to me that like Mary Jane is like the leader of these like, <laughs> like uh away teams going on these missions. Yeah. It hasn't she only been there for all of like three days or something. Yeah, like... probably, probably <laughs> like how, how, are, aren't there people who've probably been in the cult longer than that? I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> she's just. I mean, we don't know anyone else, so that's why, but it's she's just, just funny. that charismatic. Like, she is. She already leader. has a superpower of charisma, um, and Mordo is a little bit creepy towards her, so maybe he. Uh, maybe there's some <laughs> nepotism at play. Ooh, I don't like going in that direction, but. <laughs> the show touches on it ever so slightly, so. Yeah. There are sins of the fathers, aren't there? So. Yeah. <laughs> anyway uh back at the sanctum dr strange fills spider-man in on dormammu a powerful evil entity who travels from dimension to dimension draining the life energy out of all universes cool sounds like a really great nice if guy. i had asked you what dormammu does is that what you would have said could you have even said what dormammu does because i couldn't i, I would and have I've said seen dr strange <laughs> i said he was just some evil gaudy 
demon-y guy. Dude's yeah. bad. <laughs> it's a demon from another dimension, but I would not have been able to tell, like, tell you what his motivation is. But it's also, like, <laughs> that's the most, like, general, like, evil thing. You know, it's just, like, yeah. sucks the life energy out of all the universe. Like, okay, you, yeah, you kill, thing cause, you kill things because you're bad. Cool. But Moving doesn't on. it just make him sort of like magic Galactus? Isn't that yeah, what Galactus does? Exactly he just like travels from galaxy to galaxy and eats them? It's 100% what it is. Yeah. <laughs> At least in this, the way that it's described. I'm sure like if you're intricately, you know, in, in, entrenched in the comics, there's sure. a lot more nuances between Galactus and Dormammu. Totally. But yeah, it, we're dummies. Okay. Yeah. But, I, but, but the broad strokes of it, it feels like he is on the Galactus level, just dimension hopping instead of galaxy hopping. <laughs> Yeah. Except so. he seems way less powerful than Galactus in this episode. Like, he is not that hard to yeah, beat. Yeah, he kind of sucks in this episode. He kind of really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and I just keep thinking of when Spider-Woman beat Dor- Dormammu by just, like, firing a rocket at the moon or <laughs> whatever. Like, <laughs> I forgot about Dormammu. Dormammu. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, yeah, this is our second, second instance of Dormammu slash Dormammu. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How exciting for us. And in both cases, he's pretty He sucks. He kind of sucks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not not the not not the not the greatest villain. But yeah, so yeah, Strange informs Spider-Man on that stuff. Uh he also says that Mordo will likely use the wand to empower Dormammu to carry out his devouring of their universe, and that if he faces Dormammu, it will be his life's greatest struggle. Spider-Man's like, okay, it's fine, I'll help, not a big deal, whatever. And I mean He's not wrong. <laughs> yeah. This is your greatest struggle, man. Life's been easy for you. I really like, I, maybe uh, the other thing that has affected my view of Doctor Strange, like generally uh-huh. and not being that interested is that like so many times when he pops up in like adaptations, I feel like he often just is so pathetic. Like he's not <laughs> as cool as I want him to be. Remember when he was in the Amazing Friends episode, the seven yeah. superheroes, and he did literally nothing. Like he fired one beam out of his hand that missed and then got eaten. Like, well, yeah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> he I should, do remember that. He and should I... be cool in theory. And I feel like yeah. he, every time I see him, he isn't. Okay, you know? <laughs> well, I'll say this. Before the, all the Doctor Strange heads come come for you, I do think that what we've seen has done very little justice to Doctor Strange, who has had some pretty cool stuff. Because, like, I don't remember what movie it was. I was watching some animated movie, and they did make Doctor Strange seem pretty cool. It was sort of in that that same realm of, like, the the comic that we were reading where it was like i do things bigger than what you can perceive and comprehend right and like sure and that i think i think there are some but i think what we watch are creators who can't really do much with that like because it's so big <laughs> like, yeah and like a little bit heady maybe i don't know I, yeah, I think so. Well, it's hard, especially in like a team up type of story too, yeah. because Spider-Man or in the amazing friends case, like the amazing friends still have to be at the center of it and be the heroes of the story. And like, if Dr. Strange is involved, yeah. it's kind of hard for them to do that, which I think is a thing that like the MCU has also had, had to deal with too. I think they've done better at it because there's a little more space and time to to like allow Doctor Strange to do cool stuff even when he's like teaming up with other superheroes but it's always i think i think Doctor Strange in any scenario where he has to be a secondary character is going to inevitably do him a disservice like yeah. there's no way that you can because like he's just not built 
for being on a team really I, you know i do think that that there is probably an easy way to address that and i think that that's represented in how the mcu has handled captain marvel when it's not her own property like largely captain marvel when she's not when it's not her own movie is sort of um she's sort of like a bridge to a bigger universe that's always sort of referenced right where she's like earth is not the only planet in the universe i can't be here all the time like there's there's other stuff going on that's kind of what the mcu has done so far and i know people have like complaints about that but i do think that's it's kind of how they've handled having the strongest member of the team yeah. uh, not be able to just swoop in constantly. And I, the thing that that did sort of convince me Dr. Strange could be cool is the idea that he is someone who protects our reality and we don't even know it because what he's doing is so beyond our comprehension or outside of our reality. The fact that he like slips in and out of reality and we wouldn't even know it. Yeah. And I think you could acknowledge that. I think like, what is it? I think it was maybe it was Infinity War, uh, where uh Tony and Steven get into like an argument and Stephen Strange kind of acknowledges that a little bit where he's like, I've been busy protecting your reality. It's like, yes, more of that. Like do just yeah. little things like that let us know that like, oh, you are important, even though you're kind of silly here. Yeah, no, I th- I agree. And yeah, because I mean I'm being like down on Doctor Strange because I don't think he's like amazing in this episode. Like he's just kind of very fine. Um, and, and to be and, fair, anything you and I have covered, he's not. Yeah, that that, amazing. I think that's <laughs> that was the point that I was making is that like I think he's so often in adaptations done a disservice, and that's probably affected my perception of him. Because anytime that he is cool, like I think in the MCU, I I enjoy him just fine. He's not my favorite out of out of all those characters, but like they make him cool in the MCU, you know, like do cool stuff. Um, I think One of the, the coolest fight I, sequences in uh, in uh-huh. Avengers. Yeah, yeah, you got really cool fight sequences. The uh, the I don't know if you where you're at in What If right now, but there's a Doctor Strange centric What If episode. I haven't seen it yet. Um, and that one is really cool too, and does some really interesting things with them that I think sort of tend a lot to what you're saying here about just sort of like his 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 importance in the context of like multiple realities and stuff. So like I think that yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff there. It's just the scope of it is so different from what the majority of other superheroes, and yeah. especially someone like Spider Man, is. Which which that said, all of that said. As much as I often like have, have sort of said that I don't like cosmic Spider-Man stuff or Spider-Man mixed with magical mystical stuff a lot of times, when I do what I do like Spider-Man when it's when it's mixed with magic and mystical stuff is when it's very clearly like focused on him being out of his element. Um, mm-hmm. And that is something that I think this episode does do really well is that the whole sort of arc of the episode is Spider-Man constantly being out of his depth, out of his element. Doctor Strange just explaining him stuff and he'll just being like, okay, whatever, I'll do it. It and then doing stuff that <laughs> causes more problems and then eventually doing okay just because yeah. you know like just just by his own sheer willpower like getting out of the sticky situations while dr yeah. strange is like hold on let me try to fix this hold on let me let me fix this hold on hold on <laughs> like i do like that a lot i think that that stuff is, yeah. is the is like that's that that is probably the the way to handle it like the, a good way to handle it in a way that i like 
I like yeah. seeing that. And I have to imagine that's probably going to be a lot of what No Way Home is. I too. was just going to say, I have a feeling we're going to yeah. get a healthy dose of that in No Way Home. Because I don't think he's going to be a main character in that movie. I think he's going to be an no. important character and then he's going to disappear after a while to let it be a Spider-Man story because he's going to be trying to clean up the mess that Peter Parker kind of caused by being out of his element in, in this magical context, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, like, I, I think that that's, that's a good way to handle it and it all makes sense. And yeah, yeah. I think that, that that is good in this episode, even if Doctor Strange is I character i don't really care about that much you know yeah for sure yeah totally i agree with all that so dr strange spider-man and wong arrive at the center for reunification and are met by mordo's followers who promptly attack them with their laser eyes and (laughs) this was so funny to me wooden staves which wong just like cuts in half and then they (laughs) what i love about it though is that what i love about it though is that he tells them outright like Steel is stronger than wood, chops some of their wooden staffs in half, and then they all abandon the wooden staffs. They're yes. all like, well, I guess he's right. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. It's it's fun. I love Wong's like double swords too. That's so badass. And they're Super like, cool. they have like a magical sort of energy around them, which is fun. They're cool. Yeah. Yeah, really cool. I dig it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, where, 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 where's, where are Benedict Wong's swords as Wong? I, I would like well, to see it. He's very cool. So I, I have no, no notes on Wong in the MCU. I'm deeply in love with him. So no mm-hmm. notes. But I wouldn't be mad if he showed up with some swords at some point. It feels like in this. I and again, like I said, not familiar with a lot with Doctor Strange like outside of the cartoons and the movies, but like in this episode, Wong doesn't really seem to be much of a magic user. He is just sort of like a fighter. Um, Whereas in the MCU, he is very much a magic user. Is that also in the comics? Like, is he often not as magic as Dr. Strange is or this episode just like he's, there's some magic, but he's mostly a physical fighter. Well, one thing that's very interesting about this episode versus the current sort of main context of the MCU is that Wong was far more knowledgeable about everything when Stephen Strange shows up. Now, granted, like, Doctor Strange was a quick study. That's, like, the whole point. But, like, yeah, Wong was, like, deeply experienced. And in this show, he doesn't even know the story of Doctor Strange. So, presumably, enters the world of Doctor Strange after Doctor Strange becomes the pupil to the Ancient One. Right? Yeah, I guess so. That's what Which it is interesting because like, Wong doesn't even know his backstory or anything. Like he, yeah. he seems to have explained to him in this episode for the first time. So <laughs> right, it's about time I told you how I got my powers. <laughs> yeah, or maybe Wong's only been there for like a week or something. Like I don't <laughs> Wong's know. the new intern. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very yeah. Wong's Wong's entire uh, presence in this episode is very unclear. Like exactly yeah. where he and Dr. Strange's relationship is at. If this is a, if this is a faithful adaptation of Wong, then I'm very happy with how the MCU decided to transform him. Yeah. Uh, Cause this isn't, isn't great. (laughs) Yeah. He does fun stuff though. Like you said, he has like good lines uh, and his swords are fucking rad. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Where did we leave off here? I'm not sure. Wong's Uh, attacking him. It's all cool. Uh, we are, yeah, so Wong, Wong's slicing some staffs. Um, so the, the three, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, Wong, not held off for very long, uh, and they make their way into Mordo's Great Hall, or wherever that is, to interrupt his summoning of Dormammu. When Doctor Strange and Mordo begin to engage, Wong explains that Spider-Man can no longer help because this is a mystical battle. You'll be no use. (laughs) 
Yeah. Which I think does play into kind of what you're talking about that like out of element and that the tension of Spider-Man having to decide like, do I go along with that assertion or not? Can I just sit here and do nothing? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and it's smart because having Mary Jane involved, like obviously that's uh, an impetus and a drive for Spider-Man to like take action. Right. So like anytime he takes a reckless action in this episode, it's like, it's all forgivable because there's a bit of desperation in there and wanting to do something. Like, I also don't know that I'd want to just stand on the sidelines and watch these wizards battle while totally. the people that I love are involved. Like, no, let me help you somehow. There gotta be something. <laughs> let me throw a rock or something. Like, they're, they're gotta be able to do something. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> throw a rock. I like that. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, anybody can get hit in the head with a rock. Like, uh-huh. even if, no matter how magical you are, like, let me do something. Yeah. Yeah. It's like like the whole Harry Potter thing. Like, did somebody could have just brought a gun to Hogwarts? That would have solved many of their problems. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess so. I guess so. I would like to think that the magical world has done a better job than we are. Uh, we have. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, that's the fantasy there that yeah. I'd like to subscribe to. <laughs> Literally the only time I will ever suggest adding a gun into the mix, but like you could have shot Voldemort and I don't think he would have survived it, but you know, obviously I, uh, they figured it out eventually. I'm going to, I'm going to try to prevent people from adding me and say, Derek, impossible. Uh, no way. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> But yeah, so Strange and Mordo are kind of shooting some magic at each other for a bit until uh, Mordo physically uh, tackles Strange. See, they can get physical too, just like Spider- Spider-Man could have t- tackled Mordo. So he could have been involved. Strange, you're wrong. Strange uh, takes advantage of the situation, however, by astrally projecting himself and restraining Mordo through a spell. So when Mordo cries out to Dormammu for help, Dormammu curses uh, Mordo's weakness and uh, possesses him in order to attack Strange with the reign of Ragador. Uh, <laughs> so a lot happened just just then. <laughs> yeah, I mean they shoot magic at each other. It's yeah. a wizard fight, you know. Yeah, yeah. So when this happens, Spider-Man decides, yeah, no, I can help, <laughs> like you said, and leaps through the portal, but not doesn't do what you said. <laughs> He leaps through the portal through which Dormammu has been speaking and is met with Dormammu in the form of a dragon. I do love that Spider-Man is like, oh, 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 I kind of get it now. Maybe I, sh- maybe I, sh- maybe I shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah. Well, he did like, it's, it was the weirdest move to take. Like, I love that it happens because he doesn't know what the fuck to do in the scenario. Yeah. But like, instead of, you know, tackling the human being in the room, he's like, I'm going to jump into the magical portal to another dimension. That'll help. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, of all the things you think you could do, Spider-Man, I'm not sure why this is the one. Yeah, I don't gives know. us a dragon, so that's fun. Yeah, it does. It does give us a dragon. That's how fun. do you grade the dragon that is Dormammu's alternate form? Oh, it's fine. It's like uh it's like the Maleficent dragon, like which I it think is it's, very much like that. Yeah, it's like not fully my vibe, but I think is like a is a classic medieval dragon. It's cool. I mm-hmm. think it's a good design in that regard. Yeah, it's purple. Yeah, it's purple. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't he like wrap Spider-Man up with his tail too? <laughs> yes, yes. So right as Spider-Man grabs the wand, he's like immediately restrained by Dragon Bamu uh, with his tail. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and what's funny is when this happens. So okay, so Mordo. This is this is really funny. Like one of the reasons I I took note of all the names of these spells is because they're funny. 
some of them are probably references to things. Some of them are probably nonsense. But all of them are like Marvel things. Like they didn't make up any spells for this episode. They all come from Strange Lore, it seems. Oh, nice. Um, okay. Yes. Um, because I was looking up spellings and stuff and I was able to find them all very easily. Oh, well, that's um, cool. Yeah. So Mordo attacks Strange with something, or I guess Dormammu does, with something called the Reign of Ragador. And then Doctor Strange, while Spider-Man is all like battling a dragon, calls upon the seven rings of Ragador to protect him from the reign of Ragador. So I don't know who this Ragador person is, <laughs> who they're invoking. <laughs> yeah, should be a little annoyed. It's uh, pretty powerful like... if that's what you fight it with. Is like yeah, everything strong is Ragador's shit. <laughs> no matter <laughs> no matter who loses he always wins <laughs> or exactly. she i don't know they like any i, I don't know no Ra- idea if they're a magical what? entity maybe none of the above <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know who or what ragador is no maybe idea. ragador isn't a person maybe ragador is like a place and they're finding oh maybe they're, they're finding like rain from 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 a, from mm. a land mass called ragador mm-hmm. there just happens to be rings lying in ragador actually that probably makes the most sense personifying ragador uh, that was just like that didn't come from anywhere. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? But Ragador, very powerful. Maybe someone knows. They're probably it's probably a comic book thing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it definitely is. It's definitely a comic book. All of those are definitely comic book things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just don't know them. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, Strange's counterattack wards off and scares off Baron Mordo. So Strange is finally freed up to leap through the portal and free Spider-Man from Dragon Mamu's grip. And the two attempt to escape, of course. Uh, but Dormammu, no longer a dragon, blocks the portal. So Doctor Strange has used a combination of magic with Spider-Man's web tricks to distract and dupe Dormammu. When Spider-Man threw that wand, were you, did you also, like, react? Like, I react. I was like, Sp- what? What are you do? How, what help is it going to be to throw the wand deeper into the dimension? <laughs> not really, because by that tricked. point, Spider-Man was clearly just like off his chain and not doing anything productive. And anything <laughs> that would happen that would be productive would be by accident anyway. So it's like, you do you do at this point. I just, uh, I was fully duped. I was as duped as Dormammu. It would be funny, like, he, he throws it and Strange shows up and would be like, oh, that was the one way to defeat Dormammu, and now we're all <laughs> fucked. Thanks, dude. We kind of needed that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the two do escape Dormammu's dimension with the Wand of Watum, but Spider-Man is met with an angry Mary Jane who doesn't understand why he'd ruin her reunification with her father. To free her from Mordo's manipulation, because clearly she's still under his spell, Doctor Strange shows Mary Jane visions of her father, which... This is, like, actually kind of rough. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, his his thing is, like, to free her from this, I need to remind her that her father's actually a piece of shit and walked out on her yeah. and that she should, like, she doesn't want this. Like, yeah. that's wild. <laughs> yeah, it's really rough. I mean, and we don't even get a lot of it, but we get enough of it to kind of get the vibe of it. And it doesn't really say that outright. outright. It's just, like... No, but it's I hard it's... to interpret it any other way. Yeah, well, I think part of it is also, like, clearly the guy you're talking to isn't your father because he's like really nice and sweet to you mm-hmm. and your real dad isn't that. And that's, yeah. uh, remember yeah, that's how really shitty rough. he is. Remember how much he sucks. Like, yeah, it's real rough. That's, ugh, that's, that's yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, she cries over it. Uh, obviously who wouldn't, yeah. uh, but then, you know, while she's sort of like 
While she's sort of like re-going through this trauma that she's already went through, another traumatic thing happens because a giant hand reaches through the portal and grabs her and yanks her in, which is like, Jesus Christ, what a bad day for Mary Jane. These um, Dormammu, like what, what rules are we following here? That's the thing. That's yeah, that's the magic bullshit where like, it doesn't matter. You know, like the rules can just be made up as they go along. <laughs> His hand is allowed to enter our reality. Yeah. But not the rest of him. Yeah. It's just too big. He wouldn't fit yeah. through that portal. That's the problem. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> he just needs a bigger portal. <laughs> um, Spider-Man obviously Spider-Man obviously tries to go in and save her, but Doctor Strange is like, no, can't jump in the portal this time, buddy. He says, you cannot help her now. Dormammu must be accepted into our world by someone who embraces him. Like Mordo, he will try to trick her into inviting him. Which does not explain why Spider-Man no. can't go in and save her. No. It does not explain that. <laughs> Nor should Spider-Man have accepted this as any kind of explanation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because what if, what if he just took her? What if he just took her? What if that's it? Yeah. What if yeah. that's it? What if that's all he's doing is just taking her? <laughs> yeah. Ay, ay, ay. Well, luckily, Strange is right. I guess we can trust him. <laughs> because inside Dormammu's dimension, Mary Jane speaks with Dormammu, who takes the form of her father. Uh, and given the fact that Dr. Strange just reminded her that her father's a piece of shit, Mary Jane quickly rejects the kind visage as a phony and subsequently rejects Dormammu's attempts to manipulate her, which causes him or something to explode yeah, and this that is, this launches is her back through the portal which allows strange to close the portal but even though even though something exploded maybe dormammu but not dormammu uh when strange is closing the portal dormammu's like no and you see his face all over again so i don't know what exploded but something exploded when she said no. <laughs> yeah, that, the, that it, this whole thing kind of falls apart for me a little bit at this point. Because I like some of the ideas in theory. Because, like, what what Doctor Strange says is that, like, Mary Jane beat Dormammu herself by having the strength of mind to reject his ruse. And I like the idea. And I like yeah. that, like, Mary Jane is given agency at the end of the story to, like, to beat the bad guy, essentially, just by sheer willpower, you know, and by just like sheer belief in in herself and her own reality and believing her truth, basically. I think that's really cool. But like, it's just, I like that as the reason for Dormammu to not have power over her, but to have it make him explode is weird (laughs) and unclear. Yeah. And for it to be so brief and not really like, spotlighted in a way that makes it feel as significant as the idea is it goes by super 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 fast in a way that does a huge disservice to what could be a really cool moment for mary jane like the kind of thing that the hydra man episode did that we praised and loved it kind of tries to do that again but like what that episode did over the course of maybe like 12 minutes it does in like five seconds yeah and it doesn't work because of that Really, one of the reasons, not that this is a Hydra Man episode, but like just the the more of this show we consume, like really one of the things that that episode did so well is like utilize different pacing. Yep. <laughs> it's paced extremely well. And yeah. this, I mean, this episode isn't, but a lot of these episodes aren't. So like Hydra Man and the episodes like it are definitely the exceptions, but it really does highlight a, a moment like this that should be really cool, should be really empowering 
but goes by too fast really highlights just why the Hydra Man episode and episodes like it are as good as they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This episode really could have cut a at least one of the Sanctum attack sequences and then use that space to just like spread it, you know, to, to give some breathing room to the other yeah. scenes. I think they probably could have cut out the whole Spider-Man being hypnotized. I get why they did it. It's fun. Yeah. But you probably could have not done it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bummer because, again, it's a cool idea. Just executed not not well at all. Yeah. And just very confusing way to end the episode, which also ends up ending very abruptly. So. <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, due to the fluctuation of the diminishing portal's energy, of course, the Center for Reunification collapses in on itself and then disappears entirely, of course, <laughs> because magic. But Strange teleports the group out of there before they're crushed, luckily. Uh, hopefully everybody else was out as well, because there were a lot of people in that building <laughs> at yep. some point. <laughs> yep, they're all innocent people, but... So hopefully they got out too. Uh, But we won't think about it for too long because Spider-Man and Mary Jane part ways with Doctor Strange and Wong. um, And as Strange begins to say that their work is done here, uh, he senses a new presence. Somebody's watching them. It's a presence we haven't seen yet in this series as we cover it, but who we do recognize as Madam Web. Nice. The end. (laughs) Yeah, that's, you know, one thing that I think it's really smart about this episode being a season opener is that it's sort of, because this is the first instance of magic in this show, right? I think it's all been sciencey mm. things up to this point, and a- either sciencey things or aliens. And so, like, I think it's really cool that in the season that has Madam Web as a very, that we will see, will have a very important influence on the season and a, and a prominent role in it. Oh, like, yeah. it makes it easier to accept her as an important character when you have an entire episode to essentially get acclimated to the reality that there is magic in this world. And it's just straight up magic and wizardy stuff and extra dimensional weirdness that you, your brain just cannot comprehend. Yeah. Um, I think that was a really smart move. And I think that, like, helps even though this episode is pretty much just solving last season's cliffhanger and isn't really setting up, like, future storylines, it still sets up sort of a – not necessarily a theme, but like an aesthetic of the season going forward. It pretty firmly kind of says, like, get ready to get weird. Yeah, yeah, which I think is really cool and really smart. Or perhaps uh, get ready to, to get strange. Ooh. <laughs> Stupid. That's <laughs> yeah, fine. You know, I've said worse. <laughs> Speaking of, like, weirdness and stuff, though, one thing we didn't touch on in this episode was yeah. – the actual like design of the the uh, the the other dimension, which I think is sort of CGI, fun yeah, in a way that I actually kind of like. I think that they use the CGI really well in that Me because too. it's it's meant to be off putting and weird and like just nonsensical. So there's just like a CGI gold chain just like floating in the background yeah. of like a just a green background, you know. I um, genuinely like it as opposed to simply appreciating it for its place in history. Like I yeah. genuinely like the way that it looks. It's a good use. Like if it still looked like this in 2020. 21 you would get what they're doing it's supposed to look weird and kind of like a dumb because of how how just bizarre it is like it doesn't Mm -hmm. make sense you know fully nonsensical i think it's really cool and there's bits there's there's some rocks that just are in the shape of fangs for no reason like i love that kind (laughs) of like stuff it's 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 so fun yes yes beautiful 
Um, one thing that there really wasn't a place to bring up, but I'll say it here now that we've covered the the episode. This episode does some like transitions between scenes in a way that I really like that I think is done really well that I don't think is always done really well where they have the end of one scene directly lead into the next based on a thing that somebody is saying. Yeah. And so like one person's voice will then transition into another person speaking and it happens multiple times in this episode and it always feels natural and it always feels organic, um, which I like because I tend to be very critical of those things uh, for either like not being organic or being sort of like shoehorned in. This one does such a great job. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, it's a pretty, I mean, aside from like a couple of execution things, uh, I think it's, a, it's actually a really solid episode. Uh, yeah, I think it's solid. Yeah. It's, it's certainly not as nonsensical as it could have been. Uh-huh. Uh, given that <laughs> yeah. they could have, they, I mean, they kind of had carte blanche to just be totally wacky. Uh, and it was still relatively restrained, but allowed for wackiness at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> speaking um, of wacky you want to tell us about this face of the episode <laughs> i will tell you about this face of the episode but i just noticed that i did write down a quote that i never actually said oh yeah uh, it's another wong thing mm-hmm. uh or i don't it's not really a wong thing it's a spider-man thing but wong says something to dr strange and spider-man replies no offense but you guys are really weird <laughs> oh yeah i wrote that down too i forgot about it it's good i don't remember when it happens um, but I just looked over and saw that it was like floating around and I had never, se- never highlighted it. So it's a good quote. Uh, yeah, amazing. True. Quote. If there were quotes of the episode, that would be mine. But we have faces of the episode. We have faces of the episode. So um, this one, uh, I think we just have the one because uh, once you see this, you'll never see anything else ever again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have an all seeing eye, everybody. We have an all seeing eye and its eyelashes are, I won't say glorious, because they're all like individual lashes with lots of space. There's not very full eyelashes, yeah. but they're very visible eyelashes, yeah. which on this show is weird. Uh-huh. <laughs> Makes it stand so, out. Big, huge eye in the middle of Doctor Strange's forehead. It's yellow. Uh, it's a yellow eye. It's a yellow eye. It's larger than his other eyes. It does have tear ducts on both sides. Cool. Uh, because it's uh, weird. Magic. Magic. Yeah, and it's magic, and I can't get over those eyelashes. I do not like them. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it's like when people put on fake lashes, but they're doing like individual lashes, and they're mm-hmm. going for like a particular like editorial look where it's like very spidery or like clumpy. Mm-hmm. And I don't. It it weirds me out in real yeah. life and in this situation. Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Great eyebrows, though. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. At first, I was like, I thought you meant eyebrows on the third eye, and I was like, what am I missing? But no, his actual no, that would eyebrows. Be wild. Yeah, his actual eyebrows are great. Yeah, I agree. I yeah, agree. he better not have that uh that third eye out for very long because eyebrows keep sweat out of your eyes. Oh yeah, that good third call, eye good would call. just be yeah. so sweaty. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. <laughs> okay, we don't have to talk about this face anymore. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> But yeah, I agree. I think this is a solid episode. Solid stuff. Yeah, yeah, good. Good start to the season. I'm excited to cover the rest of it. Me too. Well, before we do our sign-off, we just wanted to say something real quick. Yeah. Happy Happy 20th 20th birthday, birthday, Lillian. Lillian. (laughs) 
Anywho, um, if you <laughs> would like more stuff, um, as we, especially as we dip into this series that we love and we know so many other people love, um, be sure to check out what extra stuff we might have going on on our Patreon at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers because sometimes we will cover comics that either tie into some of this stuff um, or kind of do supplemental material on any given uh, series or whatnot. So check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers. See what's over there. Uh, also check out our Discord. There should be a link in the show notes. If you can't find it, just let us know. Um, we've had some folks steadily popping in there and starting up some conversations. So uh, we would love for you to, to join uh, that. Uh, in the meantime, you can find Derek and me all over the place uh, on the internet. Derek, where can people find you and the things you're working on? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale, and you can find me on YouTube under my video essay show Second Chance, which looks at bad or divisive media from a positive lens. What about you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at Ikibuli, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. You can also find me on another podcast here on the 4 Radio Network called Victory Road. It's a Pokemon podcast where I get together with my friends and talk about Pokemon just as I feel like it. And if you like books and video games, you can listen to me on a podcast called Novel Gaming, where my friends Vicky and Katie and I uh, catch up on all the media we've been consuming lately. Uh, if you like what Derek and I are doing, you can check out our monthly podcast uh, called Falling with Style, an ongoing Pixar movie marathon where we are watching every Pixar film chronologically. Uh, our one-year retrospective on the first 12 films is out now, uh, and you can find that pretty much anywhere. You can also find it on our website, along with everything Derek and I are working on together at wallopingwebsnappers.com. There's a full archive of all of our episodes of all of our shows. Uh, you can follow Walloping Web Snappers on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Walloping Web Pod, or email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe on all podcast platforms. If you like what we're doing, somebody else will too. And those ratings and reviews make us much easier to find. Next week... Pete visits a little girl, and we learn all about his origin in The Sins of the Fathers, Chapter 2, Make-A-Wish. Ooh, yeah. See you then. Bye. Bye.